0: and Clogs a podcast brought to you by the Apprentice Journal Faculty of Medicine University of Cal니아 where experts scrub in to bring you the very latest in surgery
1: Welcome to the podcast series brought to you by the Department of Surgery Faculty of Medicine of the University of Kalania. i I'm your host Pramod Chandra Singh Senior Lecturer in Surgery from the Department of Surgery. In this series of podcasts, we wish to discuss some of the important and interesting surgical topics to educate and enlighten our listeners. As the first of the series, we have a very interesting topic, gallstones, should they come out? And to discuss on the topic I have here with me today, Professor Rohan Siriwadhane, Professor in Surgery and Consultant Hepatobiliary and Liver Transplant Surgeon, from the Department of Surgery of University of Kalanir. Welcome. So, first of all, I would like to ask you, what are gallstones and how are they formed?
0: Uh, well, Pramod, yes. Uh, uh, in our body, in, uh, when, there are, when there is a hollow structure for an organ, we can get, uh, uh, in all these places, you can get stones. And one such place is a gallbladder. Uh, in gallbladder, basically for stone formation, there are two uh, two basic uh, things. One, you need a solvent and you need a solute. So when we talk about gallstones, uh, there are three basic type of stones. One is a pigment stone, uh, 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 cholesterol stones and mixed stones. So uh, for the stone formation, actually there are three things that can act as a uh, solute one is calcium bile pigments and cholesterol uh, solvent is bile salts so when there is a problem when there is increased concentration of solute or reduced concentration of solvent you get stone formation so any of any any factor any condition which increases uh, the amount of solute or reduces the concentration of solvent uh, you get Stone formation.
1: So it is due to a supersaturation of one of the constituents of in the bile. But are they normal? Or, in other words,
0: do normal people get gallstones? Well, uh, having a stone inside your body is not a normal thing. But just because it is abnormal, it does not mean that you need to treat these patients. So I'm not sure whether you can actually call them patients because it is so common. If you do ultrasound scans in uh, 100 people, then people will eventually have stones. So just because you have stones, you do not, you do not become a patient. But you become a patient when it is symptomatic. So uh, in simple words, just because you have a stone, it does not mean that you need treatment. But when it becomes symptomatic, yes, of course, then these patients, we, we consider them as patients, and then probably in these people, we would uh, offer some kind of treatment for these stones.
1: Any any special conditions where people are more prone to get gallstones? Any diseases?
0: Uh, Yes. Uh, Now, for the stone formation, there are uh, there are you can't say uh, these are uh, very strong risk factors, but there are predisposing causes. They may have little bit of impact, but uh, just because you have, uh, let's say, for example, being a female having high cholesterol levels in your body uh, 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 and taking OCPs, uh, having high BMI, these kind of predisposing factors, they may have a little bit of impact, but just because you are having this risk factor, that does not mean that you have a great risk of, increased risk of developing stones. But there are certain other conditions like uh, hemolytic diseases. If you, uh, in these kind of patients, because... There in their body because the hemolysis the bile pigments are increased in, in, uh, in the bile and because of that uh, the, bile, the, the bile gets concentrated and they are, are at a risk of developing stones. Uh, but then again you can't say there are strong risk factors for someone to develop stones but there are probably predisposing factors if these are there, uh, there is a bit of a risk of developing stones.
1: Right. So, importantly, there is a supersaturation, and there are some people who are more predisposed to get this supersaturation, but the mere presence of gallstones doesn't mean that you need treatment. So, these are very important principles. How would, you, uh, how would someone with gallstones present to you? In, in, the, uh, in other words, in the outpatients, uh, how do you detect
0: people with gallstones? Uh more than 90% of the time, these patients come to you uh, they come to you with uh, with the incidental, as an incidental finding where they do ultrasound scan for something else and then you detect uh, stones in the gallbladder as presented as a asymptomatic incidental finding. So that's a commonest presentation. So that's what we call, these patients we call as uh, incidental uh, uh, stone disease. But then there are three categories of patients or three kinds of symptoms where that 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 uh, stones might give us three kinds of symptoms. The first symptom is a biliary colic. Now biliary colic is actually a true colic where the stone impacts in the narrowest part that is the Hartmann's pouch or the cystic duct of the gallbladder and when a stone blocks the cystic duct or the Hartmann's pouch the gallbladder tries to expel the stone and you get a pain and this is a very 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 uh, significant pain that they develop is a sudden severe pain that they develop in the right hypochondrium and last, last for a longer period of time and and this is a very very uh, typical presentation and, and patients you know when you talk to these patients you know that this guy had a biliary colic because they describe a sudden severe pain in the right hypochondrium and you can't miss that so that's, a, that's one type of presentation of a symptomatic stone. And the second category of patients is cholecystitis. So most of the time what happens is the stone blocks the cystic duct of the Hartmann's pouch and it uh, stag- stagnates the bile inside the gallbladder. And these stones, they contain my, uh, bacteria. And, and as a secondary event, the gallbladder gets infected. And when it becomes infected, we call it cholecystitis. So these are two different things biliary colic there is actually no no infection in biliary colic there is obstruction and pain it's a colic pain but in cholecystitis the gallbladder is obstructed most of the time but then there is superadded infection so you get apart from the pain uh, and the pain character changes because when there is cholecystitis there is inflammation so it's not a colic pain then it becomes a continuous pain and the patient starts developing Uh, signs of inflammation like fever, generalized ill health, uh, vomiting and and other other generalized symptoms and if you do uh, infective markers in them this will be increased. So that's cholecystitis. And the third category of patients uh, is uh, chronic cholecystitis where in, in this category of patients what happens is you have stones for long period of time in the gallbladder and the gallbladder as a result of stones there is uh ongoing or, or recurrent in, uh, in low-grade inflammatory attacks which leads to fibrosis and the gallbladder becomes fibrotic contracted and thick and it has a thick core and these kind of patients are a bit difficult to diagnose actually because their symptoms are not very specific they might present with vague symptoms like m- most of them they have symptoms overlapping um uh, overlapping uh, gastritis or peptic ulcer disease or, or functional bowel disorders where you complain of Uh, abdominal fullness, distation after meals, especially they have, they can't tolerate fatty meals. These are vague symptoms, they have symptoms long period of time. So its presentation is different, different because it's a long history, insidious history compared to uh, biliary colic and cholecystitis. So these are the three common presentations, but then you can get complication of stones. Uh, Sometimes some of the stones they can, they can pass down into the common bile duct, it can cause uh, obstructive jaundice. So uh, so it's a complication of a stone in the gallbladder passing down to the common bile duct and it can pass along the common bile duct through the ampulla of water. It can cause uh, pancreatitis, so it becomes gallstone pancreatitis. So there are complications of gallbladder or gallstones. So these are the common presentation of stones.
1: Right, so basically a majority will come to you with an incidental finding on ultrasound scan and then there is the other group who get complications due to stones either obstructing the gallbladder, an obstruction and infection or a long-standing inflammation that goes on as a chronic process or when they obstruct the common bile duct or the pancreatic duct you can get obstructive jaundice or pancreatitis. Now when would you decide that a gallbladder with stone should come out? Do you take out all gallbladders when people have stones on an ultrasound scan that's incidentally detected or do you have a specific
0: indication yes uh, so if the gallbladder the stone is asymptomatic it does not need treatment so asymptomatic stones you don't operate yeah and actually you don't need to follow up also And you don't have to, importantly, you have to reassure the patients because they are worried about stone because it is not normal. So they are very worried. So it's very important that you reassure this patient and tell them that this is extremely unlikely that this is going to be a problem. And you have to tell that even if it becomes a problem, that there are ways of sorting out these problems without any major complications. So these are for asymptomatic stones. Then if if the stones are symptomatic, uh, we earlier discussed about three, two categories of symptoms. Uh, there are a- acute symptoms that is biliary colic and cholecystitis and they have to be treated as emergency or semi-urgent conditions Whereas uh, if someone is having chronic cholecystitis, it's a routine presentation and you can manage them as elective cases. So, uh, symptomatic, asymptomatic stones does not need treatment but uh, but uh, symptomatic stones need treatment but there are very rare occasions that sometimes we might consider uh, operating gallbladder even if it is not symptomatic for example let's say if you are operating uh, uh, a patient uh, for upper GI surgery like as part of another surgery you might remove the gallbladder like in vipal surgery as part of that surgery we might remove the gallbladder uh, and uh, and uh, sometimes, in, in areas where there is gallbladder cancer incidence is high, whether the gallbladder cancer is endemic, in these patients, if there are stones in the gallbladder, and in, probably we might con- consider prophylactic cholecystectomy. And sometimes, uh, in patients with recurrent acute pancreatitis attacks, if you can't find a cause, and if the patient is having stones, if there is no other cause, we might also consider doing a prophylactic. Cholecystectomy. Even if we don't actually find, uh, even if we don't actually don't know the gallbladder is causing pancreatitis, we might remove uh, the gallbladder as a prophylactic measure.
1: Right. So, importantly, asymptomatic patients do not need any treatment, and for the symptomatic patients, uh, you need to attend. Or there may be asymptomatic patients with special conditions, such as increased cancer risk, that would require. Um, the gallbladder to come out right Uh, now when you say cholecystectomy or taking out the gallbladder uh, someone might think it is uh, it is going to be a major surgery so could you briefly explain the surgical approaches that are available to take out the gallbladder
0: it is actually one of the commonest operations that is done by surgeons uh, cholecystectomy Uh, And it is actually not a major operation, it's not a major complex operation, it's sort of intermediate operation, but it carries a very low risk uh, mortality and morbidity. But having said that, it carries a complication. So that is why we don't, we do not offer treatment for asymptomatic, uh, asymptomatic stones because you when you weigh the risk versus the benefit, um, uh, operating asymptomatic patients, it does not give a benefit or, or, or in, uh, benefit to these patients. So there are two ways of operating the gallbladder. Uh, the traditional or the historical way is open We where you make a incision uh, in the upper abdomen and then access the gallbladder uh, and then uh, remove it uh, so that's a traditional uh, open uh, cholecystectomy and the second method is a laparoscopic cholecystectomy where you make uh, uh, access to the peritoneal cavity through uh, the laparoscope through the umbilicus and you place another another two or three ports and then do the surgery as a uh, as a laparoscopic procedure now uh, there are a lot of comparisons that are done with compar- uh, open and laparoscopic surgeries uh, so when I mean, you talk about gallbladder operation, uh, the the most important complication that we should mention is uh, we should discuss is uh, uh, injury to uh, viscera. And out of these uh, injuries, the most important is uh, uh, is the bile duct injury. But apart from that, other viscera can also get damaged, like the duodenum, which are close by, and sometimes small intestine, sometimes hepatic flexure, and uh, these viscera can also get damaged. So this but but. Uh, uh, for for cholecystectomy, people discuss about bile duct injuries because that is the specific uh, complication for laparoscopic cholecystectomy or even op- open cholecystectomy. And if you uh, if you look at the incidences uh, of uh, of bile duct injury, um, uh, uh, open theoretically should have uh, it has uh, lower incidence of bile duct injury um, compared to laparoscopic injuries. But having said that. Uh, most of the time what happens is you nowadays nowadays people open up when the laparoscopic surgery is difficult or when it is a difficult cholecystectomy so actually nowadays what we even when we op, when we open up when we do open cholecystectomy, cholecystectomy we do for difficult cases so there can be a slightly high incidence of bile duct injuries in these patients so um, so there are two approaches uh, open and laparoscopic uh, and laparoscopy is, has become the gold standard because it carries, uh, the recovery is faster, there is no complications related to the scar. So outcome is uh, much, much better in laparoscopic surgery. But then the, then we should be discussing about uh, bile duct injury because that is a specific complication for this surgery.
1: Right, so the preferred technique is laparoscopy or keyhole surgery and if done properly, which has a very good outcome and very minimal morbidity. Uh, Having said that open surgery is also uh, reserved for difficult cases or when there is a cancer of the gallbladder suspected. Okay Uh, very briefly before we end up a common question that patients pose to us is are there effective non-surgical methods such as medication or shockwave therapy laser or any other method that is uh, that has been proven to be effective to treat gallstones
0: yes so that is a common question that is asked by the patients and another common question that that patients ask is can you remove only the stones without removing the gallbladder uh, so basically uh, there are there are medications or drugs that people have tried and actually they've shown to reduce the size of the stones like ursodeoxycholic acid and chenodeoxycholic acid you can give these drugs and that has actually shown to reduce the size of the stones but the problem is Whenever you, as long as, when you, when you stop this treatment, when you stop these medications, the stone will start forming again and, and, uh, and the disease is still there. So it is actually not recommended. Even ESWL or, or laser treatment, they are not considered as uh, treatment for uh, uh, stone disease. And removing the stones is not recommended because you get, you get stones because your gallbladder has a disease process, because your bile is lithogenic. Uh, because are, you have exceeded the critical point of lithogenicity and, uh, and as long as you have the gallbladder you get uh, uh, the stones coming again and again so it is not an essential organ and just because you remove the gallbladder it does not affect your long-term outcome and there are no long-term impacts on removing the gallbladder so that has become the standard of care.
1: Right, so basically non-surgical methods are not effective in managing gallstone disease as far as we know. Right, so we, I think we had a very uh, fruitful discussion on gallstone diseases. We discussed about the pathophysiology of supersaturation and we discussed how patients present Uh, And that gallstone disease is found in the normal population in about 10 to 15 percent. And also there are special predisposing conditions to give rise to gallstones. And then we discussed how patients present. Majority will be incidental and then the others will have either acute or chronic symptoms and sometimes complications such as obstructive jaundice or pancreatitis. And we made it very clear that only symptomatic patients and those with high risk or special conditions, uh, such as high risk of cancer, uh, would require surgery. And the preferred method is the keyhole or the laparoscopic technique. And sometimes you might need to do open surgery. And also the non-surgical methods are not very effective for the management of gallstone disease. So uh, I think we had a very... uh, fruitful discussion on gallstone disease and I would like to thank Professor Rohan Siribodhan again for participating in this podcast and I'm Pramod Chandra Singha, wishing you all a good day. <music>